We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Post-West Virginia win for Oklahoma State. They've now beaten two top ten teams at home, and this wild season continues. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. Kyle, that was a fun game, wasn't it? I mean, at halftime, I thought they might bench Cornelius. He had played so terrible. Um, I thought they might get just run out of the stadium. I thought the stadium was going to be completely empty by the end of the game at halftime, and the script just totally flipped. It did. It, the first half was what I expected it to be, which was an emotional letdown after the OU game, and I just expected the second half to I, – I expected West Virginia to kind of play out the string in the second half, run it a lot, um, have a bunch of – you know, just keep uh, – run a bunch of time off the clock, and it just didn't go like that at all. I mean, the second half – it, Oklahoma State scored on five of their six drives, Carson, four touchdowns and a field goal. And it, it was just I, – I couldn't believe what I was watching. They just looked like a, a completely different team in the second half than the first. And I just – I don't understand this team anymore. I think you could point to – earlier in the year, you could point to the Texas game and say, okay, that was the outlier. And now it's like they only play well against – great teams and then they they'll probably lose to TCU this week after right. after beating Texas beating West Virginia almost beating OU I just I don't know what to make of this team at all well they're totally psychotic I mean there's no other way to explain <laughs> laying an egg against Kansas State losing to Baylor and the, the, the games they've lost this year and then thoroughly dominating but even even their wins Kyle they, they thoroughly dominate Texas in the first half, but really were outplayed for the most part in the second half, had to hang on. Mm-hmm. They completely got dominated in the first half against West Virginia. So even within the games, they're a bit psychotic. I mean, the, yeah. the, the way they flipped the game was remarkable. I thought the first drive was so key to go down and score a touchdown on the first drive of the game. But the stunning thing to me, Kyle, coming out of this game, and we'll talk plenty about Corndog, but the defense holding, essentially they held West Virginia to seven points because they got a field goal off the muff punt. You're talking I about mean, in the second half? In the second half, yeah. yeah. They held West yeah. Virginia to ten points in the second half, three of which was just on the muff punt from Stoner that they, they got to stop. So so they've held Kyler Murray to 14 and, and Will Greer to seven, essentially, in the second halves of the past two games. That's... That's vast improvement from what we've seen earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, they were wilting in the second half and getting run over. Yeah. So they weren't perfect by any means, but they played really well in the second half and, and got the stops they needed to. Yeah, no, they did. I, I thought they were a lot more physical against West Virginia. I, I said this in – I did a, a short postgame show uh, after the game, and I said this in that, but it, it seems like – so A.J. Green was super physical, and, and so was Rodarius Williams, especially in the second half – and it's like they were doing things that in the Baylor game or in another game they would have been called for uh, penalties for, and they just weren't in this game. So I do wonder, like, how much those guys – like, it, it's got to be so hard to know, like, what you can get away with, what you can't get away with. I mean, from play to play it changes, much less game uh, quarter to quarter and game to game. Uh, but I thought that they were way more physical. I thought Greer was – is he good? Are we sure that he's – I mean – like, I, I don't know. I just didn't think he was very impressive in the second half. And I don't know how much of that has to do with Oklahoma State's disruption on defense and how much was him just kind of, I don't want to say choking, but just not playing that well in the second half. Um, but, yeah, they showed up in the second half, and 
they had to because you know to complete a 17 point comeback and end up winning by four is uh it's pretty big time from oklahoma state yeah i was down near the field on the drive in which west virginia went for it twice on fourth down and they ultimately scored on the, the will greer keeper and you're right there was a play there before those two sequences where aj green was in the end zone and was all over his guy and they didn't call it and i expected a flag the entire time and you're right there were several times in the game you could even <laughs> point to the last play of the game where he held he clearly held david sills yeah but they were also letting him play the other way too sills had yeah. pushed off on that crucial catch earlier in that drive as well so yeah that has to be frustrating for them and, and mike gundy always says hell those guys are just fighting for their lives out there you know poor aj green just fighting for his life and that's that's really like i mean in the big 12 that's what you're doing as a cornerback you're just trying to survive with how many passes come your way so i thought i thought they played well they did get away with some but but um story of the game kyle's corndog i mean for me it's been just it's been like the Texas giant roller coaster i mean just some of the absolute highest of highs and then literally the lowest of lows like it doesn't get much lower than those two interceptions he threw in the first half and even that third one he could have thrown against West Virginia was one of the worst passes you'll see but the clutch plays he made I mean the scramble and throw to Tyron on the sideline the back shoulder throw to Tyron he made some unbelievable plays I've got children entering my uh my domain I don't know if you heard that do they have my, corn dog takes? I, no, I do they, hear them. They have a dead lizard that they tried to bring in. Okay. Uh, it's like it's like the CNN video. Have you seen that? Yeah, where the kid comes in. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, they want to go frog hunting with uh, Mike Gundy. They want to lizard hunting. <laughs> uh, no, you're right about corn. I, I just the second he was he was awesome in the second half. Those last few drives. I mean, you go back. I don't think. I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State's never had – I couldn't find anybody anyway that's ever had 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing in the same game. The only people that got close were obviously Zach Robinson and and J.W. Walsh, and he kind of just dominated the game offensively in the second half, which is a crazy – I mean, West Virginia coming in, I mean, you argue that they didn't have a great defense. I would say that it was a pretty good defense, and it was certainly better than OU's defense. And Corn was – he was terrific in the second half. His numbers, Carson, against – so they played four teams that were ranked at the time that they played them. Boise, Texas, OU, West Virginia. And you can throw Iowa State. They're ranked now. But if you look at just those four games, Boise, Texas, OU, West Virginia, West Virginia he's averaging, I think, I think he's averaging 351 yards uh, passing, and he's got 17 total touchdowns to go with just two interceptions. Wow. I mean, that's that that is – those are – elite quarterback numbers, not uh, like like for, for an Oklahoma State quarterback. That's like what we would expect from a Mason Rudolph, a Brandon Whedon, maybe even better than those guys. Now, am I saying that he's in that category? Absolutely not. I mean, we've, we've said that all year. Like the second half of the season doesn't negate the first half whatsoever. And people that try to act like it does are just willfully ignoring what happened in the first half of the season. But – uh, he has been really good at times uh, in the second half of the year, and and you can you can almost physically see what Gundy's talking about, where it takes you know ten, twelve, fifteen games of college football to kind of start to figure things out, and he is starting to figure things out to the point that I would be fine if he had another year of eligibility next year to come back and play. Now he doesn't, and that 
poses a whole set of other problems for OSU for 2019. But uh, I've just I've been really impressed with him ever since the bye week and, and the Texas game that followed that. How about this statement that Brian Keating made last night on our crash in the boards? If Taylor Cornelius had another year, he'd be the preseason Big 12 quarterback next year. Wow. Maybe yeah. even Big 12 player of the year offensively. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Preseason. <laughs> well, to your point, I think, Kyle, what we're seeing as he's gotten more experience Perhaps this is what they they saw all through fall camp in the yeah, summer, yeah. which we had not seen. We had not seen anything close to this. I mean, he completed more deep balls in Bedlam than he had all year. Yep. Uh, so, no, he, he's really developed into the player I think Mike Gunny thought he was. And one thing that stands out to me, Kyle, is they obviously love this guy. I mean, when Mike Yurcich talks about him, he gets like legitimately emotional. And, and, so do, and Mike Gunny doesn't really get emotional in those post-game press conference, but I thought he had a great quote. Yeah, he was like, he turned around. He goes, "If I told, if I told Corn Dog to run through this wall, he he he'd do, he'd find a way to do it. He he'd, he'd just try until he did." Yeah, that's the type of kid he is. So I mean, he he never says a word. He busted out the never says a word about yeah. Cornelius, which yeah. is which is also true. But uh, all that aside, what I'm going to remember about this year is you know Clint Shelf is somewhat of a not a cult figure, but you know he's a, he's a beloved. OSU quarterback who obviously is not the best in school history, but people love Clint Shelf. Clint Shelf led two game-winning drives against OU. And Taylor Cornelius essentially led one against OU. He just His kicker couldn't make an extra point. Um, wait, so, wait. Shelf, Shelf led so he led two game-winning drives against OU? Well, poten- potentially, and then his defense failed him. Yeah, okay, okay. He, yeah. he, led, he led go-ahead drives, I guess is the yeah. better way to put it. Okay. Twice in 2013 and 2012. Yeah. And both times the defense let him down. The kicker let Taylor Cornelius down, or he would have led, he would have beaten Oklahoma and Norman, Texas at home, and West Virginia at home. That's that's pretty salty. So that's kind of what, what I'll remember about, about Corn Dog is he came through, he got the ball in his hands for huge drives in front of 80,000 people in Norman, all the people there for Texas, about 20,000 against West Virginia, where they're watching him <laughs> at the end. And he delivered. He, he he made clutch plays and delivered. And some people have pointed out, you know, Mason Rudolph had the ball in his hands several times with key last minute drives and did not convert. Yeah, and Corn Dog did. That's this that's the ultimate compliment I can give him. Totally. And this was I said this after the game. This was the Kansas State game from last year, right? Where Oklahoma State just gets waylaid in the first half, and you're like, what the hell? Like, what what is going on? <laughs> And then in the second half, they come back, they come back, they come back, they get the ball with an opportunity to take the lead with under two minutes left. And last year they don't they don't pull it off, and this year they do against West Virginia. And you know we said this, we touched on this early in the year a little bit, and then it kind of got lost because Corn wasn't playing that well. Um, but his ability to run, I think, I mean that opened up the second half, right when they went four wide. And, and West Virginia couldn't account for him running. If if Brandon Whedon goes four wide, you're like, okay, well, I definitely know what's happening here. <laughs> but with Corn, you're like, well, he's probably going to throw, but he might not. And that it just it creates a little bit of unknown, a little bit of chaos for uh, for the defense. And that turned out to be uh, one of the one of the deciding factors in the second half on Saturday. Well, they should pretty much run four wide the rest of the season, should they not? <laughs> well, that mean, was my question. A late, but that was my question. Is like, it's why a great you, adjustment. Why are you not doing this all the time? It's it's awesome. Well, I think it was obvious to me they did not want to run him because they, they're 
they don't want him to get hurt. And you, you, you notice that in the first half against West Virginia. It was like the last drive of the first half. They called the quarterback draw on the first play. Like, all right, fine. We're getting, we're getting beat here. We'll run him. Yeah. And that's what they did through the rest of the game. So I think they were trying their best to not have to. Because he does – he's not like Kyler Murray who's so good at getting down and sliding. He did slide – he did finally slide in this game. But throughout the season, he's been taking some some big hits. And I think they, they were really worried about that. And then finally they just said, you know, if we're going to win, he has to run. So I thought it was a good adjustment. A great adjustment, really. I've got, uh, I've got a stat and then I've got two questions for you. Uh, so my stat – I'm just going to read you some numbers here. I, re- I wrote a post on this today. Uh, Oklahoma State in the Gundy era, uh, as an underdog, has won 34% of their games. So they win basically one out of every three games in which they're an underdog. This season, as an underdog, they've won 75% of their games. <laughs> as a favorite in the Gundy era, Oklahoma State wins 83% of its games. So every 10 times they're a favorite, they win about eight of those games, which... I think we would both have guessed somewhere around there. As a favorite this year, they've won 43% of their games. They're three and four as a favorite. And I just feel like this speaks to just how much, just how confusing the season is. I mean, this, this team has really kind of inverted whatever ideas I had about Gundy coach teams. I mean, Gundy coach teams beat teams they're supposed to beat, and they lose to teams that they're supposed to lose to. That's just what they do. And this team has beaten teams it was supposed to lose to and lost to teams it was supposed to beat. And I don't, I don't understand that at all. And I, I don't know, I don't know if I ever will. It's just been a, it's been an incredibly confusing season. And I think that the West Virginia game was kind of a, uh, was kind of an exclamation point on that. Yeah. And the more I think about it too, Kyle, I, that, are they more like the 2015 team than the 2014? You know, the 2015 team just, happen to win those close games. I mean, this 2018 team is what? Two plays, three plays away from, from winning double digit games. I don't, I don't know the exact count, but let's see. Yeah, they're 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 the Thailand catch against Iowa State, the the OU play and the Baylor play from being 8 and 3 or 9 and 2. Yeah, so I mean, I think they're not far off than that. I mean, that that uh, 2015 team only lost two games. They lost to a top 10 Bay or in a top five OU, but they beat a top five TCU at home. Yeah. But yeah, no, and they won it. They won an overtime at West Virginia. I mean, the, the just, it kind of goes back to your point all the time about the margins being so slim between 10 wins or seven or eight. And well, and, and to that point, they've just, they've gotten better quarterback play the second half of the year. I mean, people yeah. can, people can keep like burying their head in the sand, but it's, that's the truth. That's the reality. Well, and that's why that's the only reason that 2015 team won 10 games. They had Mason Rudolph and, and not a lot else. He, he was awesome that year. Yeah. Um, well, they, but, they, but, had, they had Walsh too. In 2015? Oh, yeah. They had the Walshing machine package down there in the goal yeah. line. Yeah. Um, well, and Kyle, they're going <laughs> to. This team has been so psycho that I think whoever they get matched up with in the bowl game, they're going to just destroy they're gonna be so much more talented than the team they play i mean i mean what what bowl team are they playing that has a tylen wallace they're gonna now they're gonna put they're gonna play texas a&m in the texas bowl and they're gonna get beat oh well i think they're more talented than a&m yeah maybe um okay so my (laughs) my first question is did you hear gundy say uh i can't remember where i heard him say this it was a press conference in the last week he said they're supposed to be mature. No, I didn't hear him say that. 
it was it was I don't know what he said it about what I, I, I can't remember. But he said they're supposed to be mature, and I was like, "Oh, oh my gosh! Where I need Carson? Where is he?" Well, he we've talked about this. He he throws in bits and pieces of the rant because it's so, it's like his ideals in life. He, he says he we live in a society. He brought that up for the snowflake talk. <laughs> we live in a society. Um, does does everything right? Uh, they're supposed to be mature adults, but they're really not. <laughs> I mean, these are. This is the Gundy ideology coming out. <laughs> and then my other question for you is: Can you give can you give people just an oral description of the face that you made whenever Tyron uh, made the two catches on whatever touchdown drive that was? I think it was the second to last touchdown drive in the second half. Both the one on the sideline where he dragged his feet and then the one in the end zone where he had his back completely to corn and caught it over his shoulder. You know, it's funny. People expect me to be like running up and down the press box, running out of the press box so I can make some noise. <laughs> and it's actually quite the opposite. I, I make the Kirk Herbstreet face with, just my, with bug eyes and just – I. It's it's a weird it's like a moment of clarity. It's like this is everything I've been saying and there, it's finally happening. This. I could not have been more right about this. And, and really it's just, and really it's just, it's confirmation that he might, he might be even better than I thought. I mean, that, that catch he made in the end zone. Are you it kidding was, me? It was sick. It the was a catch good... he made on the sideline. I mean, that, that's why people think he can play in the NFL. Yeah. So those, those ball skills are ridiculous. <clears throat> and that's before you even get to, there were plays uh, on Saturday, Kyle, where they would just, he would just run the, the curl and they literally can't stop that. He is yeah. going to get open on that play every time. Yeah. And they finally have learned that they can, well, let's go to this. And it, I, he almost, and he was one tackle. I wish he, he, he's not very big, so he has a hard time breaking tackles. I thought the cornerback tackled him in open space. They were great tackles, or else he might have scored on those two plays too, because he had one guy to beat, and that guy made the tackle. Yeah. He's, so he, he's, he's been he's been incredible. I mean, he's yeah. he's really finally getting the production to go with you know the talent. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, Dylan Stoner was awesome on Saturday. He had a career high yardage wise and I think in receptions as well. There was somebody else who was awesome that I want to talk about, but I'm actually going to toast him. So let's go to our Coop Aleworks toast of the week. Coop Aleworks, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian strong ale, or the refreshing horny toad blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Aleworks. And please remember to drink responsibly. Carson, I'm going to go first because I don't want you to steal mine. Um, I am going to toast Chuba Hubbard. A, I'm going to toast him a uh, – because I can't toast this next week. I'm going to toast him a horny toad blonde. He was, he was awesome on Saturday, and he had one play in the first half that made me, that made me gasp. He was, he, was, he was coming out of the backfield. Everything was going to the right. And he cut back to the left so fast and got through the hole so fast and got like 13 or 15 yards out of it that I gasped out loud. It was, he's, he's breathtaking to watch. And, you know, I didn't think he would be this good as a featured back, but, and I know OU's not a great barometer for how good your offense is because their defense stinks, but West Virginia's defense is is better and Chuba was still just as good. He had 160 
total yards rushing and receiving. I think he had 225 all-purpose yards when you throw in the the uh, the returns. And he's become one of the, I don't know, four most valuable guys for one of the best offenses in the Big 12 so far. He was flat-out awesome against West Virginia. He was flat-out awesome against Oklahoma. And we knew he was a track star, had the elite speed. But most track guys are not football players. They're not they, – they shy away from contact. They're afraid of getting hurt. Chuba's tough. He, he ran for some tough yards through the tackles, which I fully admit I was wrong about. I, I never liked that, the idea of that. But he's proven me wrong that he's, he's certainly capable of doing that. There was a play, a crucial third or fourth down, I can't remember which down it was, where he had – he was totally stopped in the backfield and did like the spin move and gained like two yards to get the first down. That was an incredible play, and he's proving he can do it all, and he's proving that even if Justice Hill were to leave for the NFL, which I want to talk about that. Is he leaving? We'll have to talk about that in a sec, but even if he were to leave, I think you're in great hands with Chuba Hubbard. He's been been a superstar these last two weeks. Yeah, totally. Uh, He he was... uh... Yeah, he's phenomenal, and it's just it, you know the, the one thing that they've done more. I think the second half of the year is is Corn uh, has found him on on these you know uh, like when he's when he's scanning the field and can't find anybody, he just dumps it off to Chuba. And sometimes they'll run like I think set passing plays for him to where they'll swing it out, and you're like, wow, Chuba's in space, and he's got like if Tylen makes that block, he could pick up twenty yards, and he's just he's fun, and they're using him the way that they should have used Tyreek. But here's the thing, Carson. I don't think that Tyreek is or was the runner between the tackles that Chuba has is apparently is. I didn't think Chuba was going to be like that, and maybe he won't be. It's only been two games, but I just I've been really impressed by his ability to kind of be. I, I don't. He doesn't strike me as a Justice Hill type. I guess is what I'm saying. And yet he's kind of playing like Justice did his freshman year. Yes, he is, and I. I we haven't got that play where he gets a true open lane in daylight where he can show off the speed in which a guy might have an angle on him and he can outrun it. Like we've seen Tyreek do in the NFL level. Like we haven't quite gotten there. There were a couple run plays against West Virginia where it looked like he might, but he just didn't have the angles and he got, he picked up 15, 20 yards instead of 70. And there was a time where he, he returned a kick and I, I literally like got out of my seat. I was like, I, I want to see this. This is going to be, I want to, I just want to see him like hit fifth gear, you know what I mean? And yeah. get a chance to just go. Yeah. He hasn't quite had the chance to do that. And that's like the one thing I really hope we get to see the next couple of weeks. But no, he's been he's been incredible. Well, so much of that is, is and Gunny talked about this on Monday, so much of that is vision. Just seeing if you see the guy out of the corner of your eye that maybe you didn't see two two weeks ago or two months ago or whatever, and you narrowly avoid him and then you're gone. You know, I, I think that some of that comes with time. But my question for you is going to be who would win a hundred yard dash between in pads between Chuba and, and Kyler Murray. Hmm. It might be Kyler. I know. Like, did you Ky- see his run against uh, Kansas? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Stealthy. insane. He is so fast. Like, and he, here's the thing. I think he looks faster than Chuba when he's running. Yeah, he flails a little more. Like Chuba just is so steady. Yeah, Chuba's like Chuba's like we've probably said this, but Chuba's like Vince Young. Like Mm -hmm. you watch him and you're like, is he is he running? Is he jogging? Right. What what is he doing? Very similar, which is crazy because Vince is like eight inches taller than him. But yeah, 
Uh, I need toast. I'm going to toast a Oktoberfest because he's been incredible since the month of October, really all year. But Tylen Wallace, I, th- I think they're announcing the Bolitnikoff Award finalists here in 20, 30 minutes as we're taping this show. I think he's going to be a finalist, and I think he might win it, which would be simply amazing considering how many times OSU's won the Blitnikoff. And think about this, Kyle, what if Dez hadn't got suspended? They might have five Blitnikoffs by the past nine years instead of just four if Tywin wins it. But he didn't have his best game. He had the fumble. He had, he had a drop. But he had the biggest play of the game. I mean, that we're kind of overlooking. Like It was just such a wild game and wild finish. We haven't really like talked or examined the play that Tywin made on that play. He catches it with his back to the guy, to the defender, and just backs into him and carries him into the end zone with him. Because you don't think of Tylen as this this Des Bryant physical freak, this guy with huge size and huge, you know, variable or not, not intangibles, but just measurables. And he just carries the defensive back into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. It was an incredible play. He had two touchdowns under 100 yards. But I think his numbers are going to stack up with anybody in the country. And I thought he was he made the big plays when he had to. You how much money Casey Dunn makes? Not enough. Four hundred grand. Yeah, four ten. <clears throat> so it goes: Yersich at eight, Knowles at six, Joe Bob at four twenty, Henson at four twenty, and Casey Dunn at four ten. Those are your top uh, five in terms of offense, or in terms of uh, Oklahoma State assistance. That's absurd. Like, how long are they gonna be able to keep Casey? Give him, give him the, give him the reins. Make him when the, he, make him the new Arroyo. Well, when he goes up there to accept the trophy. For the fourth time in nine years, like, doesn't Saban just offer him a million dollars spot? <laughs> he walks down the hall, the, the aisle at the, the Disney Awards show that they're going to do this at and just puts an Alabama cap on Casey's head and takes him along with him. <laughs> he walks down the aisle with Casey Dunn. <laughs> yeah, no, he just walks down the, the red carpet, I guess, <laughs> with a Bama cap and says, you're, you're coming with me. Sorry, here's a million bucks. See you later, Stillwater. It's been fun. Yeah, he's been... He's been, you know what my favorite thing about K- I noticed him on Saturday. He wears this this hat that he wears during games. <laughs> he had to have got it his first week in Stillwater. It <laughs> it is like it's the hats. That it, I think it used to be black, but now it's like a a sweat stained gray. It's like bleached from the sun and sweat to where it's just this weird color. He just wears that's what. That's so great, right? He can get a brand new hat every week if he wanted to. But he wears like that same OSU hat <laughs> for every game he's coached. He was the – do you know where he came from? I don't remember. So he was at – he was the Southern Miss wide receivers coach. With Munkin? And then he uh, – Or wait, no Munkin, went, no, Munkin went there. Or with Fedora? Yeah. He was there in 2010, and then he came to Oklahoma State in 2011. So, yeah, I wonder, what I, connect, I wonder what the connection would be there. It had to be Fedora, I would think. When did Fedora leave OSU? Oh, yeah, uh, 08? 2010, I think. Was it 2010? Yeah, because they got they got, they got Dana. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. nine is when he left. Yeah. But he would have been there with Casey. That's That has to be the connection. Yeah. Uh, whenever Fedora left. Uh, Before that, he was coaching running backs for the Seattle Seahawks. God. Pretty crazy. Well, yeah, he's he, a he's a country guy. He likes I think he likes Stillwater a whole lot, so hopefully they can hang on to him. He likes that he likes that Karsten Creek membership, I think. Yeah, he ain't giving that up anytime soon. 
That's for sure. Now, does, Are, does Bama, is he going to go play the Robert Trent, Robert Trent Jones courses out in Alabama with Saban? Yeah, that can't, that can't hold a candle to Carson. Um, let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson, uh, what do you think of – we're actually going to have to do a review and a preview because I don't think we are going to have time to tape another uh, podcast this week. But uh, quick thoughts on the TCU – or excuse me, the West Virginia unis and then uh, a preview of what you think will happen at TCU this weekend. I hated it. I hated the home combo against West Virginia. I mean, how many times have we seen orange, black, black? And then it's – Big Chrome Pete. B- BC. I, I, I thought it was about as, as as bad as they could have done on the last game of the year at home. Yeah. Like where's where's Black Orange Black? We still haven't seen that. For um with the new you know, the new uniforms. And the the funny thing is, like one of their intro videos, they're wearing that in it and it looks spectacular. Yeah. It's like another thing I hate Kyle it seems like the the recruits are excellent at picking out uniform combos. Have you noticed that? Like when they post their visits and they're wearing the, you know, they, they pick some awesome combos we haven't yeah, seen before. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, no, I, sure. I didn't, I didn't like it. What did you think about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like the helmet. Uh, I wanted to see. Yeah, I think, uh, I think black, orange, black is, was the way to go. And they didn't do it. They're supposed or to be black, mature. Or the one you picked black, black, orange would look awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I was I was thoroughly disappointed. I, but I'm I'm anti the one two two. Yeah. I'm I'm a one two one or a one two three. Yep. I'm a big one two one. So yeah. And, one, and black I, orange black. Yeah, I respect that. I respect the one two one. So uh, last road game of the year, last regular season game of the year against TCU this weekend. Uh, do you have a? I know it's early in the week. We haven't had time to think about it. But because of Thanksgiving, do you have a do you have a pick for me this row in the week, or would uh, how, yeah, how about I how about I go first? Because you've gone first like eight weeks in a row, and I feel like okay. I'm always stealing from and, you. And I'm like so far behind, I literally can't catch up. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also doesn't matter. Well, we both are now because Southwell is has Southwell's in, insider trading with Jacob. Yeah, it's like Martha Stewart over there. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah he's got um, Justin Williams on line one, sneaking him some insider trading. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I think I picked this for – I actually think I picked this for Bedlam, maybe. I can't remember. That was like two weeks ago. But I'm going to go white, white, black. And Which I think th- I think they go with the the, um, the icy white, but not the Pete, the the one they wore at Kansas. Mm, the brand. Yeah. So basically the, can- the, one, the, the uniform they wore at Kansas, but with black pants instead of white. Okay. That's a good pick. Yeah. I was leaning – I was leaning that direction. I'm going – I'm going with the Ed Hardy helmet, white, black. Kind of what they wore in Bedlam in 2016 in Norman. Well, I think they wore that combo at TCU one year, didn't they? Mm, they wore black, white, black, or white, white, black. I can't remember. I think they. I think they wore white, white, black in 16, right before they, they did. played. Right before they yeah, played, I couldn't remember that year. They were terrible with with Dax in 2014. What they wore? Oh yeah, I don't. I just tried to forget all that. That was that was like one of the worst games of one of the worst beatings Gundy's ever taken. Just they non-competitive. Were, they were ranked 15 that week, and they lost. They lost 42 to seven. 
OSU was ranked 15th? Yeah. That team that team was ranked 15 that year. In 2014? Yeah. Why? I, I because they <laughs> well they so they lost to Florida State and then they won six in a row. Or no, five in a row. Oh, they wore black, white, black with the brand. Let me well, let me pull this up just to make sure. They were so they lose to Florida State, they beat Missouri State, UTSA, Tech, Iowa State, Kansas, and they go to Fort Worth, the number fifteen team in the country. TCU is number twelve, and they lost forty-two to nine. <laughs> and then they lost to West Virginia, Kansas State, Texas, Baylor, beat OU, beat Washington. Yeah. What a weird year. It was. I don't know if it's maybe th- maybe this year's team is twenty fourteen team actually. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, okay, we got some running back news to talk about, but first, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, news came out today. There were some rumors going around that J.D. King was going to transfer. He announced today, shortly after Mike Gundy's press conference, conveniently enough that he uh, is going to transfer and so Oklahoma State could be without uh, its top two running backs going into the 2018 season in 2019 if Justice Hill decides to leave I want to talk about Justice Hill in a second but first what are your thoughts on JD King uh, transferring yeah it's honestly it's not that surprising I mean he's fallen to third on the depth chart this year Chuba is going to be the guy next year and I think if you're a J.D. King, who was highly recruited, uh, filled in admirably for Justice Hill against West Virginia, he, he wants to be the number one guy, and he's he's a sophomore. He's going to be a junior next year. I don't think he wants to be a backup. So with um, the new rules, I think he, he has a redshirt year to give, right, where he could sit out? Yeah, he played as a – yeah, because he played as a true freshman. Yeah, so it, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I hate to see it. I, I always liked him. I always – I still think there's a role for him on the goal line because as much as we love Chuba, like on the absolute one yard line, as we saw against West Virginia, they couldn't punch it in. Um, so I, I think uh, it's a loss for sure. But I think uh, the running back room with LD Brown and, and Chuba Hubbard will be okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 hard. I I get it. Like I get why why he would leave. Um, he's it's almost like having a. Um, it's like having a backup quarterback that you're like, ah, this guy's probably too good to be a backup, but he's not good enough to be a starter. And but at, if he's at a, in another situation, he could be a starter. So I get why he's leaving, but it it is suddenly if you lose if if Justice leaves next year as well, then all of a sudden you're like, ah, if Chuba goes down, like what's that look like? You know. Um. So I don't know. It, it it stinks because you always want to be as deep and as good as possible. And now, you know, with with JD leaving, you're not going to be. And I mean, I guess the next thing we should talk about is is justice. Do you have a justice take for me? I mean, 
I'm kind of coming around to the idea he might come back. I know. I am too. I mean, he didn't really have the season he wanted. And what if the NFL gives him a draft card that says fourth or fifth round? I mean, maybe he goes. Just Joseph Randall went as a fifth round pick and just wanted to go get paid. But I don't know. I thought it was interesting he didn't. He chose not to walk. I, he had that option, like Justin Blackman did. Obviously, Justin Blackman was a surefire first round pick. But I don't know. I'm I'm curious about that. But he is injured right now. I think that would would dissuade him from coming back more than anything. It's like, look, my body's getting beat up for for no money at all. And if his brother were going there, then I would think there's a great chance of him returning. But he's going to Michigan, so I don't know. I don't know what to think about. I, I've totally changed in the last week about how I I thought it was just a foregone conclusion he was leaving, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah, the hard part about it is like, let's say he gets a fourth round card or whatever. It, what are, what are you doing in 19 that's improving that, right? So like, and I think he's smart. Enough, I think he's graduated in the spring, right? Is what I heard. And I think he's smart enough to understand all the dynamics of like, okay, well, I'm not necessarily going to improve my draft stock. All I'm going to do is take 300 more hits in 2019 that take a year off the end of my whatever pro career that I'm going to have. And so I, I just, I don't know. I would still lean towards him leaving just because I don't know what the benefit of coming back is if you're eventually going to, play in the NFL anyway uh, but I think it's certainly it certainly feels like more of a lingering question because he's been injured because we haven't seen him because he doesn't have a ton of momentum going into the year in which he could be drafted into the into the 2019 NFL draft he, he it, it's he's sort of he hasn't petered out obviously he's still awesome he's still probably the third best running back in school history but because he's been injured there's just not the momentum that you saw maybe at the end of 2017 or, or excuse me 2016 or 2017 yeah but i i will say this he would test off the charts would he not the combine like i think he i think he's also smart enough to realize he could he could raise his stock even though he hasn't put up just huge numbers this season yeah so that's that's something worth watching though i mean that it's way more interesting now than i thought it was even a week ago is is uh chuba justice tylen tyron and spencer sanders something i could interest you interest you <laughs> in in 2019 uh very much so and I, logan uh, carter and logan <laughs> i had to scramble for a roster i was like who is that who is that <laughs> how about that drive the only people that touched the ball taylor cornelius landon wolf logan carter and LD Brown and they scored and they scored a <laughs> touchdown on the, on the number nine team in the country. That's I loved insane. your, I, I loved your point about like OSU and Gundy thinking they get like bonus points from the big 12 for playing <laughs> so many walk-ons. Like I was watching the game with, with Brian Keating obviously. And he kind of turned to me and said, uh, he said something as well. Like now I kind of see why they're five and five. Look how many walk-ons are playing. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of them out there. I mean, in crucial positions. I know. I know. Uh, offensive line at quarterback at tight end. But you know, Gundy, Gundy receiver. Loves that. Gun, <laughs> oh, Gundy they got that lo- whole they got that whole mural wall of like all their walk like their walk on like they're so proud of that and they should be like it's a cool deal. But it is they it do is. they do go a little overboard with it. <laughs> You'd like to see some scholarship guys touch the ball. <laughs> Gundy is to walk ons as Travis Ford was to shooting guards. Like they're just yeah. everywhere. They're just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean. 
You mean erratic point guards like Cesar Guerrero and Fred Gulley? That was yeah. Ford's weakness. Well, I mean, like six four guys that can't do either. Like they're just, <laughs> just yeah. Anyway, um, yeah that that offense would be would be super fun. I, I just I think now it, it we don't need to talk about this very long, but now you're in a situation in which you have to hit the reset button at quarterback. You know, and I think this is part of the point that we've been making all year is like, okay, cool. Like corn developing and having a great year. That's, that's awesome. Like good for him. Good for, good for Oklahoma state for getting bowl eligible. But, but you're also kind of doing it a little bit at the expense of 2019. I mean, I, I know it doesn't, I know that's like people are going to be mad about that or that's an unpopular take or whatever, but it's also true. And I, I think that, I don't know, that's an unfortunate reality and one that Oklahoma State's going to have to kind of deal with whenever the 2019 season gets underway. Yeah, and did you see Kolar is leaving too? I was looking at the quarterback roster. Kolar walked on senior day, so he's he's leaving. So that leaves Drew Brown, Spencer Sanders, and Woodtee. Does the Costello kid come in this year? Yes, he's, and he's this year, right? And Jelani, in case things go really badly, <laughs> in case they want to run the the power wildcat, <laughs> the Cam Newton wildcat. I'm I'm in on you can throw. You know what I said? Uh, I said Tylen, Tyron, Justice, Chuba, and Spencer Sanders. You can throw Jelani in that for me. I'm in. He's awesome. What if What if Gundy started Costello over everybody next year? That would be so great. I would after I would, after this year where everyone's clamoring for the freshman, he starts the true freshman over Spencer, <laughs> Andrew Brown, and Woody next year. I would die. I would I would actually love it. Like they're at Oregon State and he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna run the true freshman out there. I don't he's care. Our, he's our best guy. We'll play freshman. Guy. We'll play freshman. He he won't get hurt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't doesn't your boy uh Dustin Ragusa think Costello has a chance to beat out Sanders or was he just kidding? Uh, I don't know. I think he might've been kidding. I think everybody's in on Sanders. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. But he's, he's a big fan of Costello though. He's a big fan of Chuba. Well, yeah, who isn't? And, yeah. uh, by speaking of that, I mean, where are the Mike Yersich haters, by the way, <laughs> he's, he's recruited this Costello kid who like everyone in the country now is recruiting and offering. It seems like he gets new offers every day. And he recruited Mason Rudolph. He recruited Spencer Sanders, and he just put up 600 yards with Cornelius throwing for 300 and running for 100, all on a on a halftime adjustment. Like he he's pretty good. He's a pretty good coordinator. I know. I know at times he has not done a good job this year. I will fully admit that. But you look up and they're what they're top 10, 15 in most categories, aren't they offensively? So I mean, he's he's doing a really good job. At least, yeah, at least ultimately. <laughs> I didn't think they had no idea what to do with Corn about half the season, so I can't say he's just you know some kind of genius or anything. But I did look at the final numbers against West Virginia. I was like, oh, doubt the your such haters are going to be out today. Well, it's it's hard, right? Because part of this is just a function of the <laughs> the world we live in, society today, all those things. Because you've got websites like ours that <clears throat> it's easy to it's easier in 2018 to break down what went wrong than it was in 2008, than it was in 1998. And so, you know, like Gundy said earlier in the year, when when you lose a game, it's so easy to dissect what went wrong. And, like, it just it gets more prominently put out there in a way that it didn't used to. And 
that's just something that I think everybody's had to learn to deal with and learn to coach through and play through and all those different things. But yeah, to your point, Oklahoma State going into that game had they were 18 in the country in points per drive at 2.93. I think they put up, I think they had 15 drives, so three points per drive. So that number will go up. They'll probably be into the top 15 going into the final game of the season, of the regular season. And really that number is, like if you have, if you're at three points per drive for the season, which is around what they'll be at after the West Virginia game, that's awesome. Like that's really good. I think the most impressive offense that they've actually had uh, in terms of from like a uh, production to talent disparity was uh, 2012. They put up like 3.02 points per drive. And they had they had like nine quarterbacks that year, and Monken was just pulling plays out of the trash can. I mean, it's just all over the place. Monken um, was air raiding the hell out of people, <laughs> which he's now doing in the NFL. Like again, he is one of the more popular guys. Uh, he's calling plays now for Tampa. He's having to deal with Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, but he's he's an awesome play caller. Yeah, and and Yurcich is he's matured, he's developed, he's had. He's had bad games. TCU last year was terrible. Um, tech, first I half thought, against West Virginia, running it on first down every single play was terrible. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I thought the Tech game this year, second half, was lousy. But, yeah, overall, the production has been there. Um, their offense, especially this year, has, I don't think, really been a, a big part of the problem. Uh, it's been a part of it, but... Yeah, it's been a collective. We we didn't even talk about special teams. Holy crap! At what point? At what point does does Mike Gundy just throw the defense out there on fourth down? Like just just the regular defense. Like like you've got Bundage out there and Malcolm Rodriguez, just all the guys that they play on defense. Just go without a return man. <laughs> don't don't even put the special teams out there. Well, I think next game he's going to put Tywin back there and tell him to fair catch it. That's, That's we're back to we're back to 2011. Yeah, the Blackman playing. Where you just our offense is so the reason he did it back then their offense was so good he didn't want to mess with a punt return. But now he puts the sure-handed stoner back there. That's literally the only reason he's back there is just to catch the ball. He's not even back there to really return it. And even he drops the ball and then they kick it out of bounds twice. It's just it's we've seen it all year, and it gets them beat. It got them beat in Bedlam. The special teams have been a disaster, and people want to tweet at me and say, "Well, a special teams coach doesn't prevent them from kicking out of bounds." So Joe DeForest just got lucky for like 15 years, and his kicker just happened to not kick it out of bounds. He just, <laughs> he's just the luckiest special teams coach of all time. No, of course not. Of course, that's a direct byproduct of him being the coach. There's accountability and there's organization. And it seems like we still don't even know who coaches them. You know, Gundy takes credit for it one week. He, he blames it on the analysts the next. I mean, I, we have no <laughs> idea what's happening. Uh, we need to, this offseason, there needs to be a video made of Gundy. You know how he always talks about how, well, catching punts, it's it's so hard. I mean, it's like the hardest thing to do. Like, <laughs> there needs to be a video of, of a bunch of media members out there trying to catch punts. And Gundy, like partly making fun of but partly like trying to coach up the media members i think that would be hilarious <laughs> so carson right. depends carson, on which media member you get cool well carson you, you gotta you, you gotta get your eyes up you can't you can't catch the ball like that your your eyes are not up on the ball well i would have like the dark visor on my helmet and like all the <laughs> the wrist i'd have the wristbands and the the sleeves 
I'd be I'd be more worried about my uniform than catching the ball. <laughs> you're like you're like but coach. I can't see with this dark visor on, but damn, it looks cool. Coach, I got the wrong uni combo. Help, <laughs> help me out. Uh, that's good stuff. Um, okay, since we probably won't reconvene, what's your what's your take? What's your prediction for this weekend at TCU? Oh, I could see them losing this game, but I just I think they'll be able to outscore them. I know TCU's defense is really good. Uh, I think it's gonna be an ugly game, kind of like the um, the Baylor TCU game was this week. I could see that happening. OSU's simply not as good on the road typically. They haven't been this year against the lower level teams, so I'll pick them to win. But uh, I think it's gonna be kind of ugly. Yeah, I, I don't know what to pick. I mean, it's the same line that the West Virginia game was, but the other way. So you talked about last week how West Virginia being favored by four and a half meant that Vegas thought that West Virginia was going to lose. And I sort of feel like that with Oklahoma State this week. They're favored by four and a half. It's a weird spot because they've already, they're already bowl eligible. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to pick Oklahoma State, I guess, just, just because, but I don't, I'm not going to feel great about it. Yeah, of course not. Are you then going? Go to, then they'll go to the Cheez Its Bowl and beat Indiana by forty. <laughs> are uh, you Are you going to the game? No. Are you going uh, to West Virginia? I will be. No, I'll be here for the holidays. So. Okay. Well, I'll be in Fort Worth on Saturday. Um. So. You're going to the game? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. PFB on the road. PFB on the well, road. It's the closest venue, actually, but. Yeah, that that and Baylor. Baylor's a little bit farther, but um, what games have you been to this year? I went to Texas, um, Texas, Missouri. I went to the first one: Missouri State, Texas, Baylor, OU, and then TCU. Man, so other than Baylor, you've you've seen some good ones. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay, Carson. Uh, hey, have a good Thanksgiving week. Uh, we will probably not reconvene until this weekend, or or maybe even this time next week. And uh, yeah, should be, should be a fun one. Get to see a lot of friends and family and uh, maybe take a little bit of a break from all the uh, incessant posting on our website. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, the little ones, and your wife. I wish you a happy turkey day, and we'll we'll talk next week. Yeah, dude, I got to check on that dead lizard for my kids, so we'll, we'll yeah. talk later. <laughs> don't, don't let them put that in the dressing or anything. <laughs> okay, dude, I'll talk to you later. All right, see ya. See ya.